I'm glad I get to worship every Sunday morning and I don't have to go, I don't have to just go three times a year and then worship in a local house or a synagogue close by. I can go to the house of the Lord, be with God's people every single week. But he says, well, as he went, I went because it satisfies my soul, because it uh, stabilizes my own heart and the heart of my children and my family, because it strengthens me in seasons of difficulty and it stimulates service for the Lord. Look, if you would please, at verse number 10 again. The Bible says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a, an usher, a doorkeeper, in the house of my God and dwell in tents of wickedness. I'm just going to say that worship births works. Remember the story of Mary and Martha in the Bible when remember that Mary was all about working. And Martha, excuse me, Martha was all about working. Mary was about worshiping. And Jesus said, whenever Martha came in and said, I got no way to do it, she's just sitting here and worshiping. And, and he said, she has chosen the best part. She's chosen the best part. You know, it's interesting that Mary was at the, at the resurrection. Mary was there at the important times. And sometimes we get... I, we want to be a working church. You want to be a serving Christian. Well, I'll tell you, the best way to serve is after you've worshipped. After you spend time with the Lord, you'll be more motivated to do something with the Lord. Sometimes we find we're performance-based, you know. If we do this, do this, then you're a good Christian. I, I don't know about that. I think in, in, a good Christian start on the inside. In our quiet time alone, that gives us power to obey. But he says, look, when it comes to this, after, after going and worshiping the Lord and receiving strength, the strength and all the stimulus and the stability and the satisfaction that God gave the servant of Christ who came to worship, he says, now I want to do something with the Lord. Quite frankly, I don't care if it's a menial task, if it's holding the door open. The, the door opener in the tabernacle in the temple was one of the smallest things that a priest could do. It's the smallest, most insignificant job. But he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather do the smallest thing. If it's playing the auditorium, I'd rather do, the, do that than live out there like an idiot. I'll just do the little things. Whatever it is, I don't have to have anybody know about it. I'll just do the small things. I'd rather be a doorkeeper than to live a wicked life in the tents of wickedness. And God will steer us through worship. He will steer us to do small things for him. And then I want you to notice the next one, and the girl sang this several times, verse 11. Because the Lord, when, he, when we start serving him, he gives, the Lord is a son and a what? What does a son do? The son gives direction, warmth. Son is motivated and also lets you know. You know what I find that when you don't know what to do, let the Lord direct you to do things. We talked about the will of God recently. I was going to talk about the will of God from Psalm 37 tonight, but, but this has come up, and I feel like it's what God wants for us. But nonetheless, we think about, uh, I don't know what God wants you to do specifically. I don't know the customized plan for every life in this room. I know the generic plan for the will of God. If you're in the will of God with God, God's revealed, you'll do the plan of God for your life. But it's going to lead you to do something for the Lord. God doesn't want us just to sit, soak, and sour. He's got a plan for our lives. And they may be small jobs, but they need to be directed by our son. The Lord is a son. 
And then also, it's not only directed jobs by him. Brother, I think about, see, see Brother Jim and Miss Suzanne, and they just now started a ministry under the auspices of our church called Redemptive Hope, helping people who are going through the challenges of domestic violence and helping them have hope and encouragement. Well, that was a specific thing, but you know, that's a directed task. Most of us, we wouldn't want that job. That's one God gave them direction on. But whatever he gives a direction, he's not only a son, but he's also a what? It's a protected task. God has protection for you. Many people don't serve God because they're, they don't trust the Lord. They don't trust him. They're not sure. They don't want to let their kids go off into the ministry. I mean, uh, we want to protect them. You know who the best protector is? The Lord. The Lord, he gives us... He gives us help for small tasks, for directed tasks, and for protected tasks. The safest place for you to be in your life is right smack in the will of God for you. Don't anyone else tell you differently. God is the greatest boss on the planet. He loves and, and no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. That's the kind of God he has. And by the way, our opinion of God is the most important thing about us. What comes to your mind when you think about God? Can you trust him? Some of us are ravaged by fear. We're just, we're tormented by fear. We're afraid. And I'm telling you, friend, you need to get a heavy dose of God and his goodness and his providence and his sovereignty and his love to you so you can get away from that fear. You know, people who are loved by God, there's a security that's there. I read it again this morning. And uh, you remember this, this statement, Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who, what? Loved me. He was convinced that God loved him. No wonder he did such great exploits in such a short lifetime. Because he knew God loved him. And God wants us to, to know and to believe that he loves us. Because he's a son. He gives us directed tasks. He gives us protected tasks. Look at the next main word there. He not only is a sun and shield, but he will give what? Grace. Grace is, is help. You know, for by grace are you saved. I think the, the greatest definition of grace that comes to my mind, I've heard that I've kind of locked on to, it's God's supernatural help. We love that little acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. I love that too. Someone said grace is the desire and the inertia to do the will of God. That's a great definition. But I love the, the definition is grace is God's help. For by God's help are you saved. Not you, not of works, but God. It's God doing the work. But after he saves us, it's the grace is not done. Because grace doesn't just save us, it sets, a classroom, sets up a classroom in my heart. It teaches me to deny ungodliness and live soberly and righteously. And he gives assisted help while I do what he wants to do. Every once in a while, you'll find a busy person serving God, and you wonder, how do they do it? Grace. And God gives grace to the... You want to try slugging it out by yourself? Be a proud, full-of-yourself person. Stick to the way you think, the way you feel, and what you want. Make that your God. You want to find God's grace? He said, I give grace to the humble. A guy who's ready to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Someone who lets God direct his work. Someone who let God protect his work. Let's God give him assistance in his work. And then lastly, he gives grace and what? 
He'll reward your work. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, you've heard me say it. If I preach 10 times, you've probably heard me say it four times. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because him that cometh to God must believe two things about God, that he is. That's what we need for salvation, that he is the Messiah. He is the forgiveness of sin. But that also he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I don't have it all together, but you're looking at a dude that really believes in the rewarding process of God. I have no problem tithing. I have no problem trying to give aggressively to world evangelism. You know why? Because I've seen God reward. Not only in this life, but I can't wait for the life to come. I'm going to be embarrassed when I stand for him for what I didn't do for him. But I'm I'm telling you, I do believe he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let us not be weary in if we will reap. If we, if we're not, if we would we not. And God wants to tell you and I, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the only way he'll say well done is if we've done well. No good thing will God withhold from them who does the right thing. Who do the right thing. You know, it's very important that you're right with God. And you're right doctrinally in pure purity. Because time is always, that's why the Bible tells us over a hundred times, wait on the Lord. It's because time is always on the side of the person who is right. You stay on the right side. You know, doctrinal error comes in like waves. It comes in different ways. Calvinism, it just kind of comes in a wave. Different things, grace, radical grace movement. And people go, oh, I got new stuff, good new stuff. Oh, super, the supernatural, you know, name it, claim it. You know, faith healings and all these things. They're as old as the hills, but they come in waves. But you know, you stick around, you stay on the right side of biblical purity, uh, you'll see that come and go. Because time is always on the right side of people who are on the right side who are clear to the Lord and faithful to the Lord. You say, I'm doing the right thing, but I don't see any results. Just keep doing the right thing. Don't be weary in well-doing. Due season will reap if we faint not. Boy, it's a great song, isn't it? The Lord, our God's a good God. What a God. He'll give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly.